It's always good to be back at Midway. Love coming over here and being with the wonderful folks in this church. And uh, appreciate you very much. Love you for what you do and for what you stand for. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're just going to stay in that text tonight. So it'll be profitable if you do take your Bible and follow along with us. David said when he contacted me, I was talk I was to talk on the subject. I'm a hard fighting soldier on the battlefield. Yeah, I love that song. You gotta walk right and talk right and what is it? Pray right and something right and love that. And I love that phrase. Uh, I got my helmet on my head and in my hands my sword and shield. I'm a hard fighting soldier on the battlefield. When he contacted me, my mind went back uh, to the 1990s. I've been blessed to be able to be a part of prison ministry for a long, long time at Limestone Prison. The Hartsville Church has been involved in prison ministry for many, many years. And uh, in the 90s especially, in the late 80s and the 90s, I would be able to go over to Limestone Prison. That's the largest prison in the state, uh, state prison. And uh, I would, they would allow me to hold gospel meetings. And, um, man, we, we had some knockdown, drag-out gospel meetings. I remember we'd bring that big old oval tub like you'd water, uh, used for, to water cattle. And we'd bring it in there and... We'd baptize people and the water would just get down so low and we'd have to stop and, and we'd have to fill it up and baptize more people. And, and those were some tremendous years uh, at Limestone. And uh, one of the songs that we would sing is, I'm a hard fight soldiers. Now let me tell you, those guys got into it. I'm telling you, they were, uh, they were from a lot of different denominations and they were there, and we could preach the Word of God to them and, uh, and, and really talk to them about their faith in Christ. And uh, so they would sing that song, and they'd get into it, man. And they, whew, I'm telling you what, I, I just, I remembered, I could, I could hear them singing that song. I'm a hard, fighting soldier. And the way they sung it, I'll tell you, there was a fellow by the name of Jerome Daniels. Jerome is out now. And he led the singing, and boy, could he sing. And man, he'd have them all worked up. So that brought back some special memories to me about that song, I'm a Hard-Fighting Soldier. There's a book out that is titled, The Art of War. Now, what's interesting about this book is that it's 2,500 years old. And do you know that that book that's 2,500 years old is still recommended reading today in the military? Uh, it's recommended reading in the Army. It's recommended reading in the, the Marines. And it's recommended reading in our intelligence agencies as well. But not only is it recommended reading this 2,500-year book about the art of war, is it recommended for military, but it's also recommended reading for uh, the people in business, or a lot of people, I say recommended, a lot of people 
who want to be successful in business will read The Art of War. Not only is it in the business world, is that book still famous after 2,500 years, but even it's famous even, even in athletics. Uh, Bill Belichick, some of you folks uh, know him who follow pro ball, and some say he might be the best or the greatest NFL coach, and you can argue that or whatever. But Bill Belichick says that when he prepares his ball games, uh, he prepares them using the basis of this book, The Art of War, 2,500 years old. We have a magician at our church. And the magician told me that magicians read The Art of War. And I said, why do they read The Art of War? He said, because of the deception that's taught in that book. So it is considered one of the greatest books ever written. Twenty, did I say twenty-five hundred years old? With the greatest books on the art of war that's ever been written. You know, I sort of scratch my head and I wonder how, why? I mean, how is that relevant? Because that was back even before they had guns, bullets, and bombs, and and all the things that you have today in modern warfare. And yet, it is still relevant. Well, I don't know what all is involved and how relevant it is. I guess it is a lot having to do, as the magician said, with deception. But you can say, and man can say, that that is the greatest book ever written on the art of warfare. And I would argue. Because I think what we have here in our hands as we open up the Word of God and as we look at the Word of God, what we have in our hands is the greatest book on the art of war. Now, we're in a war, and we have to be hard-fighting soldiers. We're in a war between light and darkness. We're in a war between heaven and hell. We're in a war between God and Satan. We're in a war between uh, the church and the world. We are in a war. Now, if you doubt that, let me approach it from this standpoint. Have you ever wondered why life is so hard? Have you ever wondered why you have to deal with the temptations that you have to deal with in your life? Have you ever had to wonder about, why do I have to deal with the lust? Or why do I have to deal with jealousy? And why do I have to deal with the envy and the bitterness and the resentment that I have to face? Why do I have to deal with all the issues that I have with people? Why do I have to deal with the temptations that I face in life? Why do I have to, or why do the people in my life have to deal with addictions? And they suffer from alcoholism, or they suffer from a drug addiction. Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because we're at war. That's the reason why you have all the suffering and the difficulty that we have in this life. So we're at war. And God wants us to win the war. He wants us to be a hard-fighting soldier on the battlefield, and so he's given us this art of war. Now, he summed it up a little bit shorter than the uh, original book that we talked about before, but he gets right to the point about, here's how you can defeat Satan. In fact, he's already given us the victory in Christ Jesus. It's just whether or not we follow his instructions and we follow the book that he's given us. Now, as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to... Um, Turn with me to verse 12, because I think verse 12 is the key 
to understanding everything that is taught for us in our text. Notice verse 12 of Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now what he's talking about is spiritual warfare. When we talk about spiritual warfare, what we're talking about is an invisible war. The war that we're in is a war that we can't see the enemy. But even though it is an invisible enemy, it has visible consequences, very physical consequences in your life and in my life. Uh, Think about this. Think about the worst problem you have right now. Or we could do this. Think about the worst person in your life right now, the person that's giving you the most misery in your life right now. Okay, just think about that person, all right? Now, let me tell you something. Let's take that problem. That problem is really not your problem. That problem that you have with that problem is from the devil, okay? You see, either the devil is in that problem you have, or the devil is behind that problem you have. You take that person in your life that you thought about a few moments ago. You see, your problem is not that person. The problem with that person that you have is the problem with the devil. Either the devil is behind that person or in that person, or he could be behind you and in you, and that's why you have the problem with the person. You see, it is an invisible war in which we find ourselves. And it's, it's a war that we can win. So let's talk about being a hard-fighting soldier. What, what's involved? What, what does Paul say in this art of war that he gives us? What does he say? How we can become a hard-fighting soldier. It's a, it's a, it's a scriptural lesson. and not, It's a three-pointer, okay? It's a three-pointer. And here's the first thing he shares with us, and it's this. If you're going to be a hard-fighting soldier... You got to suit up. You got to show up. I'm sorry. You got to show up. You got to show up. That's a problem with a lot of us. That's a problem with a lot of folks you know tonight that, that are not here any longer, that used to be here, that are falling out back into the world. They, they just simply didn't show up. We don't show up. That's, that's why a lot of us have struggles that we do, and why the devil's can defeat us so easily with the temptations that he brings in our lives because. We never show up for the battle. We're in a war. We're in a war right now. You're in a war right now. And we have to re- recognize that and realize that. That we're in a war and we're going to have to stand up and fight. Right now, the devil's at work in your mind, in your heart, in your life. Right now, he's trying to get your attention. He wants you to think about what you're going to watch tonight when you get home, that program that you want to see or what are you going to do when you get home and get on the internet he wants you to think about maybe what you're going to eat or what you had today or all the issues and the problems that you had today and he wants to try to win the battle tonight to get you from listening about how you can defeat the devil I mean you're in a war right now 
I don't know. I, don't, I haven't been. I don't know your life, but it, it, some of you are probably in a, in a war in your home right now. Marriages are crumbling today in America, and it's because a war is going on in our home. Parents are having so many problems with their children, and maybe children having problems with their parents. And the reason is because it's a war going on. There's a war going on right now in your head. It can be a war of lust. It can be a war of anger. It can be a war of bitterness. It can be a war of jealousy. And on down the line, you can go. But there's a war going on in your head. And not only that, but there's a war going on in your heart. Have you ever won your life? Have you ever, I know we all have. We get to the time where we feel like Paul. We're going to Romans 7. Where we, 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 we do things we don't want to do. And we know we shouldn't do them, but we do them. Or we don't do things that we should do. That's a battle. That's a battle that's raging in your heart and in your life that the devil is trying to win. And the reason that so many times in life the devil gets the best of us is because we just don't show up. We don't realize we're in a battle. And because we don't realize we're in a battle, we don't show up. In other words, we become AWOL. And we're just not in the battle. You know, I, I was thinking about this lesson. And I thought, you know, when it comes to this battle we're in, folks, there are no deferments in this war. No deferments. There are no conscientious objectors in this war. We have to, if we're going to win, we have to show up. And we can't straddle the fence. So what a lot of us like to do in this war. We like to dress up maybe halfway and get one foot over here on Sunday morning and then get the other foot over here for the rest of the week and live the way we want to and live for the world. But you just simply can't do that. What the Lord wants us to understand, what Paul wants us to understand here is this. We fight as we fight in verse 12, an invisible war. And he is a tremendous foe. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's after us. And he's after us relentlessly as God's people. And because of that, he wants us to be aware of the battle. You see, every morning I, I need to get up. Every morning I need to get up and I, and I need to realize as I leave the door, really before the door, I get out the door, but as I get in my vehicle, the devil's going to be sitting right beside me and the battle's on. The war's on. Now, if I take that realization with me each and every day of my life, when I take that realization with me into my work, and I take that realization with me into my friends or wherever I am in the world, I'm aware. I have the awareness that the devil is after me. Do what you do. In the morning when you get up, you hear that alarm clock. Do what you do. From now on, starting in the morning when you hear that alarm clock, from here on out, when you hear that alarm clock go off, you just think that's God saying, battle stations, battle stations, battle stations. Because it is. And if you can wake up with that awareness, you will show up. So that's the first thing you've got to do. You're going to be a hard-fighting shoulder. You've got to show up for the battle. 
Here's the second thing. You got to suit up. You got to suit up. Now, I know some folks who show up sometimes. They get beaten up pretty bad. They get bruised. And they get battered. And the reason they do is because they don't suit up. They're not ready. They don't have their equipment on. They're not ready to face and be a hard-fighting soldier. You can't be a hard-fighting soldier without your equipment. I was reading, uh, I was watching a program last Friday night. I had taped it, and it was a documentary about D-Day. And it was about Point de Hawk. And, you know, that was where the big guns were. And they had to be taken out uh, before actually we could really be successful in taking the beaches. And it was a story about these rangers that were selected. Something like a hundred rangers were selected to climb the bluffs of Point de Hawk. And uh, it was about how that the uh, ropes were cut as the soldiers would take their grappling hooks and shoot them up there and how the Germans would reach down and, and shoot them as they were climbing up. But there were uh, about 80 or 90 of those soldiers that got on top. And the reason I was uh, interested in it was because one of our elders, one of the elders that hired me, he's already gone on to be with the Lord now, Brother Earl Warren, was one of those, one of those 100 and one of those 80 that climbed the cliffs of Point de Hall. But in that commentary, in that documentary, here was the point that was made that I we thought was interesting. And it said that those soldiers that came on Normandy that day, that their equipment was about 80 pounds. That's why a lot of them died in the water when they got into water over their head because they had such weight on them. And I thought, how well that fits into what I wanted to say tonight because you see, uh, you, you, you can't go into battle unless you got the ammo. You can't go into battle unless you got the armor. You can't go into battle without the equipment. Now notice, let's go to verse 13 of our text. Now let's notice what's said here. Paul says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Two things here. First of all, when you look at the way this is written in the Greek language, the, the tenses, what he's saying here is, this is something you do every day. That you, you get the armor, you put the armor on, and you keep the armor on. Because see, in this battle, there are no furloughs, there are no truces that we can make, and there are no ceasefires. And here's the thing. You leave tomorrow, and you go to work, and here comes the temptation in your life, and you don't have the armor on, it's too late. You're a goner. That's the emphasis and why it's written the way it is in the text. It's to say, you've got to put the armor on, and you've got to keep it on. Because the devil knows you, as I said a few moments ago, better than you know yourself, and he's after you at your weakest point. And then there's a second thing I, I see in verse 13 here. And that is, you put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. You can't put on just a little bit of this armor. We're going to briefly look at this. You need a whole series on the, on the armor of God and this art of war that's given to us. But you can't just put on a little bit of it. You can't be satisfied with one or two pieces. And here's the reason why. Because the devil knows your weakest points. He knows what gets you to look the first time, the second time, and the third time. 
And He knows which armor you have not put on if you haven't put on all of it. And He'll give you a sucker punch in your weakest point, in your weakest spot. Some of you probably know Greek mythology a whole lot better than I do. I remember a few. I wish I'd maybe read a little bit more when I was younger. But you remember the story about a, a little boy that was born by the name of Achilles? And um, it was predicted that he would die at an early age. And his mama, of course, didn't want him to die at an early age. And she heard about this water, this river, where she could take her son and dip her son into this water. And, and if she could dip the son into the water, then uh, he wouldn't die. So she did. She took him down to the river and she grabbed him by his heel and she dipped him into the water. Everything went in except the heel. Well, Achilles would die later on. And the way he would die is that someone would shoot a poison arrow into his heel. In the spot that had never been covered. Let me tell you, every one of us, if we don't put on the whole armor of God, we have an Achilles heel. And the devil knows about it. And that's important. Well, what is this armor? Okay? In this art of war, this greatest thing that's ever been written about how we defeat Satan. What are we to put on? We need to put on the whole armor of God, and we need to put it on, and we need to keep it on. Here's the first thing. He says, in verse 14, he says we need to put on the belt of truth. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. One of the ways that the devil loves to get us is by deception. Oh, he loves it. And so many of us succumb to the deception of the devil, and the reason is we don't have the belt of truth on. That day, the Roman soldiers wear these long tunics. When it came time for war, or for good, quick mobility, they'd wrap that uh, tunic up to their waist and tie it off with their belt. But not only did they use the belt for that, but the sword went on the belt. And not only did the sword go on the belt, but you see the breastplate came down and, and the breastplate connected to the belt. Here was the point. And that is, he says, you take on the belt of truth. Everything is connected. In our warfare with Satan, everything is connected and held together by truth. By truth. The truth of this book. And, and if we don't have the truth of this book, our equipment is not going to be held together. And that's the significance of what he's saying here. I, uh, I was thinking about this and the significance of truth and fighting the devil. And I thought of this. It's a passage that we all know. And it's about the devil. And it's this, that the devil is a liar. And he's what? He's the father of it. You see, truth is just the opposite of the devil. At any time when the devil sees us stand on what is right and what is wrong and on the truth, he can't stand it. He will flee. He will run from the truth because there's no truth about him at all. And boy, how significant this is, and this is an entirely different lesson, but how significant is this today in the society we live in? Because we know... You know, everything's relevant today, okay? Uh, we understand that. Everything's relevant. There's no truth today. If you feel it's okay, then it's okay for you to do it. There's no standard of authority. There's no right or wrong in this world. Folks, that's why America's in the shape it's in tonight. 
That's why we have the problems and the issues that we do, because we don't have any truth today. Because whatever you feel like, if that's the way you feel, you see, we bought hook, line, and sinker the deception of Satan. And there is no standard of authority of what is right and wrong. And so it's just an open door for the devil to come on in. And boy, does he do it. He says, you've got, you got to know the truth. You've got to live the truth. You've got to believe the truth. You've got to stand for the truth. But then notice the second thing. He says, you take on, in the last part of verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness. I've girded your waist with truth. If the devil doesn't get you by deceiving you and deception, you know what y'all do? He'll work on your doubt. He, he is so successful in getting us to, to doubt God so often. And, and this is where the breastplate of righteousness comes in because the breastplate of righteousness helps us to deal with whatever doubt creeps into our life, whatever doubt about His Word, whatever doubt about God, whatever it might be. Now, the breastplate was from the neck down to the waist, and it covered the vital organs. Very significant. How do you explain this, the breastplate of righteousness? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, a very, very favorite passage of mine, maybe one of my favorites, Paul would say this. He would say, in him, he would tell us that Christ is our substitute. He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us. That we might become, get this, the righteousness of God. We forget that. The devil wants you to forget that as a child of God, you have been covered with the righteousness of God because Jesus took your place. He became your substitute. As long as I can live with the awareness that, you know, I am a forgiven person. And I do the best I can. And I serve the Lord the best I can. I'm not perfect. I can never ever pay for, for what I've done in my life. But there was someone who took my place. And who paid the debt for me. And I am covered by the righteousness of God. You talk about dealing with doubt? In the, in the Chinese language, you can Google this. In, in the Chinese language, there's a, you know, it's a language of symbols. You have the symbol for me. Then over here, you have the symbol for Christ. And what's interesting is, when you take that symbol in the Chinese language for Christ... And you put it over the symbol for me, you know what you get? You get the word righteous. Righteous. And that's exactly what righteousness is all about. It is about Christ being over me. The devil wants you to forget that. And when you forget that, folks, you can rest assured, he can win the battle with doubt in your life. Doubt about if you're going to heaven. Doubt about whether you're good enough or not. You'll win the battle. Then notice thirdly, he says you had your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Some have said that this might be the important part of armor. I don't know. I guess it can be debated which one is. But I do know this. If the devil can't get you by deception, and if he can't get you by doubt, oh, he'll come at you by getting you discouraged. Now, I've seen a lot of God's people get so discouraged. They just quit. They just get up. They get down. And it's because they don't have on the gospel, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Now, you've heard probably David and other teachers tell you about how that the Roman soldiers would put spikes in their shoes because it was important you had to stand. Because if you're in a battle and you ever fell down, I mean, you're a goner. You're a goner. So I can understand why some would say it may be the most important part of it. How does this help us? A gospel of peace. If there's anything in the world that ought to give us peace, peace when things are not going right in our lives, it ought to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how He conquered the grave and how He was able to come my substitute. You know, all of us go through tough times, okay? Some of you are going through very tough times, okay? And, and we all do. We all do. The devil wants to knock you off your feet. The devil wants to discourage you. He wants to get you down. And when he does, he knows he's got you. But when you understand, having the breastplate of righteousness and knowing that you're covered with Jesus Christ and He took your place and He substituted you, and you understand the gospel, and that the gospel is a wonderful and tremendous promise that if I live right and I do right and I follow God's commands, one day I will have my home in heaven. He's never going to knock me off my feet. If I have the gospel of peace, He'll never knock me off my feet. You see, when I live my life knowing that my God's in control, no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens, God's in control of this. And number two, I live my life knowing that only is He in control, but God's going to work us out. He may not work it out the way I want to work it out, but in His providence, He's going to take me, and He's going to take this you and this promise, and I just put my faith in Him. Now, if there's anything that will give you peace, it's that. I know that. Turn over to Romans 5. We'll come back to Ephesians 6. Look at Romans 5, verse 1. Watch this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we become Christians. What happens when we're justified by faith? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have peace with God. Now, turn to Philippians 4 with me. I don't know why you're moving fast, but I've got a short period of time here. I've got to get on my horse and ride. In Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding... Well, we know that part, but we forget this part. We'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It'll guard you from all the discouragement that the devil will try to bring in your life. Understand, so what? The Lord's behind it. He's in control. And if I die, I just go to heaven. And when you live like that, 
devil can't get you with a discouragement. Well, we've got to move on. Notice the next one there in verse 16, the shield of faith, the fiery darts. Uh, verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith, understand what well, the shield was about two feet wide and about four feet tall. And there was no way that the fiery darts of the enemy could penetrate through this thick leather. And Paul says, you know what, when you've got real faith, you've got real biblical faith, there's no way. Every day the devil is throwing his darts at you, and if you're a hard-fighting soldier, and you've got on the shield of faith, there's no way in the world his darts are going to penetrate the shield of faith. What is faith? In Hebrews 11 and 6, I think it's the best definition of faith I know. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Watch it. For he that comes to God must believe that He is. Faith is believing that God is who He says He is. And that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Faith is believing that God is who He says He is and that God's going to do what He says He'll do. I'll add one more to that. And then we live like it. And that's what faith is. Faith is when I say, I know God is who He says He is. I know that God's going to do what He says He'll do. And so I live like it. You look at Hebrews 11. That whole chapter of faith. And that's exactly what all those characters did. I mean, you see these, these action words. Noah built and Enoch walked. And you got uh, Isaac worshipped. And you got Abraham and Sarah. They're told they're going to have a child. And they go back. And of course, they have a life or two over it. But they begin to act like even in that old age, it's going to happen. They begin to live like it. And that was the kind of faith they had. Let me tell you, that kind of faith is kryptonite to the devil. It's kryptonite. He can't stand it. For people who believe that God is who He says He is, that He's going to do what He says He'll do, and they live like it. There's no way in the world he can get close to a guy like that, or a woman like that. Then notice the next one, the helmet of salvation Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Boy, we need to keep that in mind every day of our life. The helmet of salvation. Uh, I read this about Martin Luther. I know I don't agree with Luther, and he was wrong in so many ways. He was big into baptism. Don't agree with everything what he says about baptism. But he was big into baptism. I was reading about him one day, and he had this sign on his desk. And this, this is the way he lived. When I read that sign, I thought, wow. Boy, we missed it in the church. The sign said, I am baptized. Now folks, there's a lot of difference between I am baptized and I was baptized. Now how do we talk about our baptism? Well, I was baptized. It's like our salvation is back there in the past. No. We need to get up every day of our lives saying, I am baptized. You see, we have the blessed assurance of our salvation. We can know we're saved. We can know we're saved because of our past. Because if there was a time in our life that we repented of our sins. We confessed the sweet name of Jesus. We were buried with Him in baptism. We had our, our sins washed away. There wasn't a doubt in any of your mind when you came up out of the water. Your sins were washed away, right? Now as time comes by, we've slipped and we we fall and we do things we shouldn't do and say things we shouldn't say. But let me tell you, I can know I'm saved today. Why? First John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
As long as I'm doing my best, I get up every day, I confess my sins, I'm doing the things that I'm trying, I'm trying my best, the blood of Jesus is there to cover me and take care of me. Folks, sometimes I say things and do things that are wrong and I don't even know it. But as long as I'm confessing and I'm trying to live for the Lord, I know that I am saved today. And then I know that I'm saved not only because of my past, because of today, but because of the future. Paul would talk about that. Read 2 Timothy 4. I know that one day He's going to come back and He's going to get me and I'm going to have a home with Him in heaven. That's the blessed assurance that we have in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, when we get up every day and we walk around not... I was baptized and keep it back in the past. But we get up every day and say, I am baptized. And we take our salvation with us and the assurance that we know that we have that salvation. Let me tell you, it's impossible to lose your joy. It's impossible to lose your peace. And it's impossible to lose your patience. The helmet of salvation. And then, the sword of the Spirit. Think of verse 17, the last part. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the only offensive weapon in there. All of them are defense. You look and say, well, why, why is it the only one? Well, it's the only one you need. The Word of God. It's the only one you need. You don't need anything else. I mean, isn't that all, all Jesus had? What is it, Matthew 4? You know, He dealt a blow to the devil. Wham, wham, wham. Three times He used the sword of the Spirit. There's nothing that will cut the devil in two and his devilish methods into than the Word of God. Now, when I was younger, I used to wonder, how did this work? I know we talk about temptation and how the devil works, and we talk about the Word, and, and I think, how, how does this work? And then one day, I had it happen to me, and I figured it out, a little bit of it. You know, the psalmist said in Psalms 119.11, he says, your word I've hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. The temptation was there. The bait was dropped. Just like it is in your life and my life. You know, you look once and you look twice. And then all of a sudden, it was amazing. There was a scripture that came into my mind. Sometimes in my life, it was a story in the Bible that came into my mind. And there it was. It was like a sword. It was like a shield. It jolted me and it brought me back to reality. And it stood there and helped me to fight the devil. I'll give you this tidbit and I've got to try to wrap up here. You see there in verse 7, the last part of verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Usually in the Greek language, there's one word translated word, and that's logos. And Logos means the entirety of the Word, the totality of the Word. Well, Logos, Logos is not mentioned. It's not the word that's used here. The Greek word for word here, speaking of the sword of the Spirit, is the Greek word rhema. And rhema means a part. Rhema can, rhema can mean a, a, a word. It can mean um, a phrase. It can mean a sentence. It can mean a scripture, a verse, okay? It's a part. And when I found that out, I began to put it all together and I realized that's it. If you get this book in your heart 
and in your life, it's going to be there. And in times when the devil comes after you, it can be a rhema. It can be a word. It can be just a story. It can be a part. It can be a verse. But it'll be there. But I can take and I can use and give the devil a deadly blow. Well, I got two or three minutes here. You got to show up. You got to suit up. You got to suit up with everything all the time. And then here's the last thing you got to do. You got to stand up. You got you to stand up. Uh, four times in this text, you can count them, four times, he says, you stand. You see, God wants us to be victorious. And the way that we're victorious, get this now, even though this is the last point, get this, the way we're victorious is that we stand. Now that word stand there means to hold the line. In the Bible, now you may correct me on this, and I hope you do if I'm wrong, in the Bible, you never read where we're to run from Satan. And in the Bible, I can't find where you read where you are to attack Satan. Now, you don't have to worry about uh, really attacking Satan because he's going to attack you. Okay, you don't have to worry about that. But what I read is that we are to stand. It's, this is the same word, stand here. It's the same word that James uses in James 5. You remember? Resist the devil and he'll walk. He'll flee from you. That word resist is the same Greek word. It means stand. You stand against the devil. And what's going to happen? The devil will flee from you. Every day when I'm tempted. Well, if I've got the belt of truth on and I've got my breastplate of righteousness and I know that Jesus Christ, that He is my substitute and He is covering me. And I have my feet shod with the gospel of Jesus and I live with peace because I know my God's in control and I know God's going to do what's right and I have on this helmet of, of salvation and I have that assurance that if I die today, as long as I'm living right and I'm talking right and I'm praying right, as the song says, that I am walking in the light and the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing me with all, uh, from all sins. And if I have the faith that I believe that God is who He says He is, that He will do what He says He will do, and I live like it, I know this, that the devil, when he comes after me each day, he will quake when he sees the sword of the Spirit. But he'll quiver when he sees me wearing the breastplate of righteousness. And he'll pale. You see, all I have to do is stand. Look, look at this as we try to wrap this up. Look at verse 10 of our text. This is at the beginning. I saved it to last. Because every bit of these, this piece of armor is centered in what we're going to see here in verse 10. He said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord... In the power of his mind. You see, all we do is stand. We just we show up, we suit up, and we stand. We stand firm. We stand firm on the truth. We stand firm in our faith, in the righteousness. We have the peace. That's all we gotta do. Because Jesus, Jesus will do the fighting for us. And he will give us the power that we need. You see, when you begin to look at all these parts of the armor, it's all about Jesus. And it's all about 
the power that Jesus brings into our life. He's already dealt a tremendous blow to Satan. And he's ready to do it in your life, in my life. I'll close by saying this. There's never a time in your life if you will armor up, if you'll show up, you armor up, and you stand up, and you ask God for victory, because I have the time, but verse 18, he says you pray. There's never a time in your life that you won't be able to defeat Satan, even in the weakest areas of your life. Thank you. Let's go out and be hard-fighting soldiers. All right.